Hey folks, this is Mike from Battles of the First World War podcast. So this is going to be a short recap of uh, the four weeks I just spent in France. After this episode, I'll get back to work on the Meuse-Argonne and with an eye towards uh, getting us to November 11th, 1918. And of course, maybe just a little bit beyond. Uh, I'm also... Uh, going to do this little mini episode here a little different this time. Um, I'm just going from some notes. No, no script. I, I can't work without a script, guys. I'm. Well, we'll see how this shit show goes. So bear with me. Okay. So first thing is, yeah, four weeks in France. Um, yeah, man, four weeks in France. Uh, not just four weeks in France. Four weeks in France alone. Just me. Uh, no Mrs. BFWWP. Uh, not my daughter either. Um, so before we start, I've got to say a huge, huge thank you to Mrs. BFWWP. And it's not for the reasons um, that maybe everybody's going to think. So some of the things I heard um, when I announced to friends and and coworkers and others, you know, that I'm heading off to France for four weeks was like, what? Your wife is letting you go for that long? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like that. So Mrs. BF WWP doesn't, you know, run my life. Um, and in return, I, I don't run hers. We we're a team. That's why we got married. Um, because we're an awesome team. We, we get things done. You should see the amount of things we get done on a daily basis. But I digress. Um, so, yeah, Mrs. BFWWP was quite happy for me to go. Um, <laughs> maybe happy in that way. But overall, just very happy for me to go to France, to go do the things that I love doing, uh, you know, to go do this tour, to go prep, um, you know, go do the Doughboy MIA work, and then, you know, have some time to myself to do some, do some exploring. So, I mean, originally I had told her, hey, I, I think I'm going to be there for three weeks. And she said, you know what, like, you're there for three. Like, why not just stay another week? Like, do, do four, okay? And no, gentle listeners, like, that's not to get... Mike out of the house. Um, it was so that, hey, you're over there. You may as well take the time, you know? Um, so Mrs. BFWWP has been nothing but supportive. Um, and she has put up with a lot of my crap, uh, a lot of my uh, anxious energy and like prepping for this tour, the, the tour that we did over the summer, um, just getting ready for it, making sure that everything was, was coordinated and locked down and, and everything was where it was supposed to be. Um, but she's been very supportive of that. Um, and I cannot thank her enough. Um, so thank you. And I love you very much. All right. All right, guys. So that's that. Lost Battalion Tours, guys. Yeah, so we did it. Okay, the, I'm calling this the 2020 inaugural tour in 2022. Uh, we did it, and it went well. Okay, so what did we do? So Lost Battalion Tours, our inaugural tour, two years late, but we got it done, and we're quite happy. It was an awesome experience, guys. We covered many of the events of 
the American-led Mirzargan Offensive, okay? So how did this play out, okay? Um, six to seven miles a day on foot, a lot of it uphill because, man, did you know that whenever the AEF attacked, it was uphill? Uh, that was something that I became keenly aware of this trip. Um, things that we saw, okay? The jump-off lines at north of La Harazay village, okay? Where Whittlesey jumped off. Um, the Lost Battalion walk through the Haven d'Argonne, okay, all the way from the small pocket at uh, La Morte to the big pocket at Charlevoix Ravine. We walked all the way up that battlefield, okay? We had a, it turned out to be a Medal of Honor day, okay, where we visited the sites where John Lewis Barkley took on, I don't know how many Germans, in, inside his uh, abandoned tank there. Um, Sam Woodfill at Cunell. We haven't talked about him yet. We're going to get to him soon. Okay. And of course, Alvin York at Chatel Cherry. Okay. We also saw the Vauquois tunnels. Okay. Um, not only is the Butte de Vauquois one of the places that you simply cannot visit the Meurs Argonne without stopping at the Butte de Vauquois. But if you ever get a chance, guys, get inside those tunnels. It is fantastic. Okay. Uh, we were amazingly blessed and lucky in that we had, as our tour guide, an English-speaking French army colonel who took us into the tunnels. And he took us into some areas down in there where other tourists like, don't typically get to go. So it was really, really awesome. And I cannot thank uh, this gentleman enough uh, and also uh, Les Amis de Vaucois. Um, Thank you guys for, for giving us that, that opportunity. Special thanks to Bruce Malone and Charlie Diaz of the Merzargon American Cemetery uh, in Romagna, Sumon Um Bruce is the superintendent there. Charlie Diaz is the assistant superintendent. Both of those guys gave us some of their, um, some of their own time to come talk to our guests and... Uh, take us through the cemetery. We, we lowered the flags at, at retreat um, w with them. Um, but they also gave us a tour of the cemetery and, and highlighted some personalities who are buried there. It was, it was an amazing time. Um, just great guys. And I cannot, cannot thank you, you two enough. Thank you so much for giving us your time. We, we really look forward to the next tour and, and hopefully doing it again. All right. So the tour, guys, okay? So, seriously, like, <laughs> we promised it would be boots on the ground um, in the shit, okay? And literally, uh, we, we came through. So one day, the, um, the morning that we did uh, the John Lewis Barkley site um, between Nantiwa and Cunell, um, yeah, so it turned out <laughs> that the field, that the hillside where... Uh, John Lewis Barkley sat in that tank and lit up the oncoming German battalions. Um, what the field on that slope, um, it had just been freshly manured. So one of those big tractors with those manure spreaders had sprayed the entire field. The place stank to high heaven. And yeah, we were tracking it on our boots and everything. Um, but yeah, but we walked through it. And, um, and we checked it out, and we stood on approximately the site where, where Barkley, you know, sat in his tank and, and earned his, 
his much deserved Medal of Honor. So yes, we promise you guys, we it's boots on the ground. It's a lot of walking, and we are going to do exactly what the Doughboys did, uh, and we did, and we did, and, and sometimes it literally stinks. It was amazing, and um, for you guys who were on the tour, do you remember how? Uh, that, that kid in the tractor, man, he, he drove by us asleep at least once. So he, he was. He most definitely was. Um, okay. What, what do we offer with Lost Battalion Tours? Of course, you know, we, we, I'm not going to give you the whole tour pitch. Uh, we're, we're, Rob and I are already putting next year's tour together, um, and we'll come up with that pitch in due time. But, uh, but again, it's a lot of walking. You will see... Um, the Merzargon battlefield from how the Doughboys saw it. Um, one thing we can also do is we will customize the tours. So something I'm, uh, was really cool that everything just fell into place was we visited the Ormont Farm area. Um, as you guys recall from the narrative episodes, we've been talking about the uh, Ormont Farm area because this, this falls within the area of the 29th Division, fighting on the Moose Heights. Uh, the ruins of Ormont Farm, um, they are located uh, north, northwest, northeast of Aumont-Pray-Samagneau, uh, um, one of the destroyed villages from the, the Battle of Verdun. Okay? Um, Second Lieutenant Joe Lawrence with the 113th Infantry, he was operating in that area. And then, of course, uh, Captain uh, William Redden of the 114th um, Bravo Company, 114th Infantry. Uh, he, was all, he was also operating in that area. So, turns out one of our guests, um, one of our guests wanted to know specifically about Captain Redden and Bravo Company, 114th Infantry. Well, man did he contact us just in time because this gentleman came out and joined us and we showed him the very ravine um, from that episode, uh, a reckless exposure of the infantry. Okay. Another guest um, had a relative who was wounded in World War I while serving with the 29th Division. Um, so same area. It was in, uh, it was in a little... Uh, ravine called death death valley of course you know every valley every ravine was named death valley or death ravine but this particular one is in the ormont farm area so hey we, we you know we we planned our tour accordingly so we customized a specific day to talk about the murrah's heights and also to get into that area okay now something that i am enormously proud of um it's super cool uh, and i must thank um, my good friend Mikhail for is that together with Mikhail, we contacted the ONF, which is the equivalent of the French forest rangers, let's say. Okay. Ormont Farm sits in a typically restricted area. Okay. It's, it's behind, behind gated, uh, behind some gates. You can only really be in there if you're a logger, if you've got business in there. You can't just drive up into this area and do what you want to do just because the gate is up. You've got to get permission. So, or at least you should. So we did. And it was a simple phone call, and we received official permission um, to drive into that area um, and to be in there, taking a look around. Okay, so it was super cool. Super cool. Um, but this is what we can do. This is what we can do, guys. We, we walk the ground. So 
One of our guests got to see the specific ravine that he wanted to see where Bravo Company 114th Infantry was simply cut to pieces. Um, and then another one of our guests um, walked in the footsteps of his, of his, uh, of his ancestor. And, and that was a, a very touching moment. We were very happy to be able to make that happen. So, again... This is, you know, we, we can do that. We can customize. If you have something that you're interested in or if you have a relative who fought in a certain regiment or division, we can, we'll do the legwork, we'll do the back, you know, the, the background work and we'll get you in the area where, in, in the specific area that you want to see. Okay, so the tour, all right? Um, the day-to-day, -day, you know, we saw a lot. It was a lot, and, and, and for those of you on the tour, you know, we apologize that the schedule got a little, you know, we had to adjust some things on the fly, you know, due to availability, um, you know, but, but overall, you know, we, we went, it, it, it went well, okay? Um, so seeing the sites, taking folks out to the sites, it's really great. It's awesome to, to be able to share that knowledge and to be able to show, hey, man, this is where it happened. Where you're standing 104 years ago, this place was alive with gunfire, and it was incredibly dangerous to be here. But we are standing here now in the same spot where, you know, X stood, X regiment, X person, okay? Um, but that's not all that the tour was about, okay? So... One of the guests told me that it's not just the being able to see these sites, which is awesome in itself, but the ability to hang out together, right? And, and I've got to say, that is just so incredibly true. Um, so we had two vehicles, okay? So we had to, you know, split up, but um, those crews that, that rode in those vehicles, like we really got to connect with each other. And of course... At the end of the day, having dinner together, um, even having lunch out in the field, we would all come together and, we, you know, just an awesome time to hang out, um, get to know each other and laugh and, and uh, you know, just talk about the day's events, talk about shared experiences. It was amazing, guys. Um, we really connected with our guests and, and it was just fantastic. I've, I've got to tell you guys, it was fantastic. Like just sharing stories, hearing our guests' stories. Um, hey, for you ex-military folks, if you know, if, if you want a week to cut loose and and uh, hang with the boys, and and by boys, I, I don't, I'm not assigning any gender. I just mean that, like, hey, you want to hang out with with your type of people, man, come on one of these tours. I haven't laughed this hard in years in years i haven't laughed that hard as as i laughed that week like just just listening to the banter you know hopefully adding a little bit but like oh my god man it's it's one of the best weeks i've had um i mean we just had amazing conversations not just about military affairs but you know other subjects i mean great subjects like um like the nuanced bouquet of odors that four sweaty dudes can leave in a mid-sized SUV, okay? Discussed in fine detail, I might just tell you, okay? And if that, you know, I mean, that's, that's just setting a tone right there, okay? Other things that we talked about were um, the perils of a roadside falafel, okay? Um, 
sweet, sweet potatoes in Amsterdam? And what kind of primates live on glaciers? Okay. Those last three subjects, if you know, you know. I'm not explaining anymore. It's, you just had, you have to be there. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. That's, that's how that week would go. Okay. Like it, it'll be a fantastic week. All right. Whew. So to get serious here, like I said earlier, Rob and I are already thinking about and planning the next tour for next summer. Um, so get on um, our contact list, okay? Send an email to lostbattaliontours at gmail.com and just say, hey, I just want to be on your 2023 contact list, okay? You can join us uh, through our Facebook page. We even have an Instagram page, Lost Battalion Tours. Um, that's where we've been posting some photos um, of the tour. So you can see the kind of the, the places we'll visit and, and the kind of things we'll do, um, not just the tour stuff, but also like how we hang out at night and, and everything like that. Okay. So lostbattaliontours at gmail.com guys. Okay. So that's the tour. Okay. Um, so four weeks in France guys. So the way I look at it, my four weeks in France were, I'm sorry to make this sound cheesy, but it was seven distinct adventures here in, in four weeks, yeah? So it was, these seven adventures were the Meuse-Argonne tour prep with my buddy Mihil, okay? The tour itself, um, a quick jaunt to Normandy, okay? A week of doing Doughboy MIA work, which you will hear about separately uh, in, in, another, uh, in another venue. Okay. A quick run to Paris. All right. My first visit to Ypres and the salient there, the old front line. And my first visit to Arras. All right. And the old front line there. Okay. So to go through these guys, four weeks in France, what a mighty gift okay so i've gotten to know the mars argon really well okay and or at least i feel i have i can almost drive around with without gps now that i'm gonna put it to you that way um just a fantastic area it's beauty never ceases to get a hold of me okay the forests the rolling hills the ridge lines okay the old villages the old towns right and just knowing the rich deep history that's that is steeped in those stones okay it's just an amazing place guys all right and and you have to visit if if you if you ever get the chance it's such a beautiful area okay but the Meuse Argonne region all right got to Spend a lot of time with my buddy Mihil, who is just a fantastic person, man. And, and thank you so much for, for coming out with me in, in 95 degree temperatures, taking on uh, the Red Arrow Trail on Cote d'Amarie, which, guys, is, again, it's another steep hill. You'll hear about it probably in the next narrative episode, okay? The 32nd Division um, had to attack Cote d'Amarie um, east generally east of uh, Romagna Sumonfcon in order to break the the Crimeel de Stalung. So we walked a trail 
um, that was just recently uh, mapped out and, and put into place on the hill. Um, what a fantastic, it's a long, arduous walk, but what a fantastic walk, guys. I mean, there are textbook trenches left on the top of that hill. It's amazing, okay? Also a few unexploded shells, so do do pay attention. Um, Côte de Châtillon, okay? Seeing, seeing where Côte de Châtillon uh, and Tuileries farm, okay? We're talking 42nd Division. We're also going to be talking about them soon in, in the narrative episodes, okay? Just amazing to, to be able to visit Tuileries farm. It's, it's now in ruins, but to be able to go there and, and know what happened there, okay? Getting to know the Meurs-Argonne again, coming back to that, okay? Uh, a lot of the tour prep involved, you know, checking out local eateries. I mean, I, we had to eat on a daily basis, but we also had to plan things out for when the tour was going to happen. So we had to try out local restaurants. Seriously. Um, so Dunser Merza, okay, if there's two awesome places I got to tell you guys about, okay? First one is, um, I believe the name is uh, Restauration Rapide. Okay, and that's in Dun Sur Meuse, and that is a kebab shop, all right? Fantastic food. It's cheap. It's plentiful, and, man, it's delicious, okay? Um, another place is just down the street from the kebab shop, okay, is a little, it's a little hole-in-the-wall burger joint, okay? Um, I couldn't get a fix on their hours. Um, they op- when they, if they open, they open after 6.30 p.m., but... Um, when they do open, man, you can get yourself a rockin' burger and some fries. Um, and it's, yeah, yeah, it's a hamburger, okay, and fries. And you might be asking yourself, like, this dude seriously went to France to eat a hamburger and fries. Um, yeah, because this is like a burger with a French twist on it. I mean, go there, go to this place and ask for the Forestier burger, the, the, the Forester's burger. You won't be disappointed. I'm telling you, okay? And if that burger joint is closed, we found out that the, that the couple that, that runs it, um, they run a food truck down in the village of Consenvois. So if Dunn isn't open, you can, you can always drive down there, okay? You can catch them there. Great places to eat. Cheap food, if, if that's what you're looking for. A third place that I would also recommend in Dun sur Meza is the, is the sit-down restaurant, um, Les Colimansars, okay? And that... Oh my God, it's it's a little pricey, but it, it's absolutely always worth it. I mean, it's a fantastic place as well. Okay, in prepping for the tour and getting to know the area, we also, I mean, I also did a lot of shopping at at local French grocery stores, which I, I must be getting old because. Just the idea of like walking into a French grocery store is just so damn exciting to me. Like. Everything is delicious, and everything is so good, okay? And um, coming from the Northeast, where, you know, this, this is a novelty for me. Like, they sell beer and wine in the same store. I don't have to go to a liquor store to, to, to pick those things up. So it's just nice. Um, racks of wine, um, racks of meats, racks of awesome food, delicious vegetables, just fantastic. Um, grocery stores will make... <clears throat> um, you can you can custom order sandwiches, you know, to go, and it's and it's fantastic, and it's you know, relatively cheap compared to American prices. So, and and delicious food, guys. I mean, delicious sandwiches, and and 
they don't have endless varieties, but they have enough variety that you can switch around. Um, but you're talking about really, really good food, okay? For accommodations, I, I cannot say enough about this next place, the Fast Hotel in Dunsermosa. It is the place. The owners, Jean-Michel and Fabienne, they are just wonderful, kind-hearted, just the nicest people, so very helpful, so generous, um, and so willing to put up with, <laughs> with our chaos. Um, yeah, I, I showed up early, one day early, um, but luckily they knew me by that point and the, you know, stupid shit that I'm capable of, so they, they very graciously uh, accommodated us for, for the evening. So... But it's just a wonderful hotel, very comfortable. Um, the AC is rocking when it's 95 degrees out, let me tell you. Like, um, great location and um, just, just lovely, lovely people. Can't say enough about the Fast Hotel in Dunsermosa. Okay, so prep week, the tour week. We got, you know, we, we had those awesome experiences. Um, when we dropped everybody off at the hotel, Rob, his son John, and I, we hightailed it over to Normandy, okay? Um, a quick visit, about a day and a half, okay? Um, John had never been there, so um, we wanted to show him uh, what it was, you know, what, what it was all about. So we walked Omaha and Utah beaches. We visited St. Mary Gleese. We visited Carentan um, due to its connection with uh, the Band of Brothers episode named Carentan. So a lot more to explore there, but I think we saw most of the museums in that area in one day, as well as visiting the beaches and St. Marigolese and Carrington. So it was busy. It was a good one. It was good. It was a good trip. Okay. Uh, from there, I went on to Paris, hung out with my cousin and his family for a day. Okay. And what did I do with him? I tried to do as little as possible, um, and it was fantastic. My cousin just so happens to be a French chef and a restaurateur, okay? Um, so this dude can put out some food, man. And um, so we ate well. I took a nap, <laughs> which was glorious, and... Uh, and just hung out with him and his beautiful family, and uh, we and uh, we 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 took a ride around the Paris suburbs, um, but we just hung out, and it was really really nice, really nice, and something that I definitely will will never forget. Um, so great time. Um, from there, I you know I'm still in France, guys. This is amazing. I still had a week left. So leaving my cousin in Paris. Where did I head off to? I headed off up to Ypres in Belgium. Okay. Um, it's funny how as soon as I crossed the French-Belgian border, I was suddenly in the mood for like a beer. Hadn't, hadn't felt it while I was in France. It was like all wine. But across the border, it's like, huh, Belgians drink beer. I'm definitely in the mood for a beer. So Ypres, guys, awesome thing there. Okay. As I met up with Ryan, who is a listener of the podcast and just a fantastic guy. Um, so yeah, I'm the, the guy I will come and hang out with you, man. So if you, if you meet up, we, we connected, you know, like, Hey, you're going to be up in Ypres at this time. Like, 
I am. So let's get together. So we did it. Okay. And it was, it was awesome. Ryan is a fantastic guy. Uh, we talked all things, um, military and, and military history. Okay. And then, um, we toured the old Ypres salient with the fantastic Roger Stewart, Roger Stewart, who runs Ypres Battlefields Tours, guys, and I'll have his contact information uh, in the episode notes uh, for this episode, okay? If you are going to go check out the Ypres Battlefield, get with Roger, man. He's a fantastic guy. He really knows his stuff, and he asked us what we wanted to see and worked that into the tour and made it happen, okay? And it was, it was great, okay? Roger also has a book out, okay? His first book is uh, Studentenfriedhof to Soldatenfriedhof, okay? And basically translated, that means student cemetery to soldier cemetery. It's the history of the Langemark German cemetery. Um, it's awesome, guys. It's, it's, I've, I've been leafing through it. I can't wait to dive into it, but it, it looks to be a fantastic book, guys. You guys have to get it and support Roger. I mean, he's, he's done his homework, okay? He really has. Um, but it's fantastic. Roger was a great tour guide, and I can't, can't wait to hook up with him again, um, either in Ypres for a deeper tour uh, or, or in other points of the Western Front, okay? Can't wait. Thank you so much, Roger. It was, it was an excellent experience. All right. Now, the Ypres salient, guys. So obviously a one-day tour. You know, it's a, again, it's a, it's a bit of a whirlwind tour. Um, and, you, you know, you, you're just going to touch on the major points, which, which is what I wanted to do. I just wanted to say, hey, I've been here. I kind of know my, my way around. All right. One thing, guys, and, and I wonder if, if you listeners who have visited the Ypres salient feel the same way, is I couldn't believe how small the salient was overall, okay? And I mean small, relatively speaking, just, I mean small from the fact that when we were standing on Hill 62 at the Canadian Memorial there, Roger pointed to us through the trees and said, do you see those two spires? Those two spires are only a few miles away, I believe three or five miles away. Um, But he said, that's Ypres right there. And so, you know, most, most German artillery had a range of eight miles. So Ypres and everything within the salient was always, always, always under the German guns. So, and looking from Hill 62 and trying to visualize those spires and then everything in between, you know, the trees, the, the houses, everything being gone and being flattened, like it's amazing how, how anyone survived it. Okay, and, and, and it's hard to fathom the carnage there of the first, second, third, and fourth Ypres battles. Okay, so just amazing. Okay, um, what, a, what a place. Okay, and to see places like Hellfire Corner, it's now it's, it's just a rotary circle that, that I don't even believe there's anything that marks it as Hellfire Corner, but that is one of the deadliest places on the Western Front. And we just we drove through it about three or four times in the course of the day. It's fantastic. It's amazing. So much history. Um, the last post at um, Ypres, guys, 8 o'clock every night at the Menin Gate. Okay, the Menin Gate, um, I believe I have posted photos, uh, at least on Twitter, um, and I will, be post- I will be posting photos for months. But the last post, guys, okay, um, 
this was something, it was my first time witnessing the last post cer uh, ceremony. So I chose not to record it because I, I just wanted to experience it. Um, so Ryan and I got there about 10 minutes prior and we were standing there in a crowd and we were, we were no longer inside the Menin Gate because it was, it was fairly crowded. And this was just a random Tuesday night in, in early August. Um, there, in downtown Ypres, in the square by the Cloth Hall, there was like uh, a carnival going, um, you know, rides for kids, thumping techno music, you know, stuff like that. Um, at 8 o'clock, that music was shut off. And the last post ceremony began. And the crowd under the Menengate, you know, everybody was, was speaking softly and quietly to each other. At 8 o'clock, everybody there went silent too. And then, you know, the, the ceremony itself and the silence from the crowd and, and the reverence and the respect. And let me tell you guys, it will bring tears to your eyes just standing there and contemplating all of the thousands of names um, on that memorial. What a ceremony. I look forward to seeing it again. It's very moving, very emotional, very, very poignant. And so if you ever get a chance up in Ypres, do stay for the last post. Okay. So from Ypres, I still had three days in, in France. I couldn't even believe that I was still in France after having done so much. Um, but from Ypres, it was down to Arras, okay? Um, and this was the, the last major adventure, okay? Um, on my way down, I stopped at Notre-Dame-de-Lorette, the massive French cemetery that sits on the hill, Notre-Dame-de-Lorette. This was high ground, uh, retaken by the French in 1915, I believe. Um, huge battle there. But then, of course, that was a dominating height along with Vimy Ridge, um, just a little further down from it. Um, what an amazing place. Again, just there's a, the, this massive cemetery of about, I believe it's about 40,000 Frenchmen are buried there. Mainly World War I. There are some World War II uh, casualties in there. There's at least two cases that I photographed of fathers and sons buried next to each other, sharing the same headstone, where the father was killed in World War I and the son was later killed in World War II. So you, you will see that there. This huge cemetery is staffed with old French veterans who will guide you through the site. They will answer your questions. Um, and they're just there to, you know, just, just to be um, generally helpful. So th these guys are fantastic. Awesome. Okay. Um, if you are at Notre Dame de Lorette, do cross the street from the cemetery, the, the, the road that brings you up to it, and go to the memorial across the road. This is the, the big circle of panels that contains about 560,000 names of soldiers who fell in battle in the area. And it's without rank, without distinction to nationality, so you will find German, English, French, American, Portuguese, Czech names everything okay um it's huge it's huge it's, it's amazing um myself at that point i was 
I was a bit done with, with walking through museums, so I skipped out on several of the, of the local museums that are in the area, um, so I, I cannot report on those. Um, but hey, that's an excuse for me to go back uh, and check it out. My main reason for going to Arras is that there is a World War I casualty from my hometown here in the U.S. who actually served with the um, Canadians. Um, and, he wor- and he served in the um, 13th Battalion of the CEF, and he was killed in August of 1918. And of course, due to British policy, he was buried in France. So I don't think... I, I cannot confirm, but I don't think anyone from my hometown had, had visited him since his death. Um, and whether they have or have not, it really doesn't matter. I was going to go visit him. So at uh, Vancourt British Cemetery, um, where he is buried, um, I went and, and visited him and just, just paid respects to a, a guy from my hometown who was killed 104 years ago meant a lot to me, and I, I really wanted to do it. Um, so from there, okay, I'm in the Arras area. I was staying in Vie-en-Artois, which is a lovely village, okay? It's on the Arras-Cambrai Road. Um, so it's, it's, it's not centrally located, but it's well-positioned, okay, in, in the battlefield. And, and the, the front line actually ran not too far west of Vian Artois uh, during, throughout 1917 um, and during the, the main battle of, of Artois that, that we, excuse me, the battle of Arras, okay? Um, so for walking the Arras area, I used Paul Reed's book, which is called Walking Arras. Um, and I visited the following areas really briefly, um, Vancourt, Fempou, Monchy-Lépreau, and Roux, Okay. There's so much to see, guys. There are British cemeteries dotting the landscape everywhere. And that gives you an idea of the scale of the battle and the scale of the losses that the BEF suffered in the spring of 1917. Okay? It's it's amazing, guys. I thought that the rolling fields of the Meuse region were huge and nearly incomprehensible to me. I've never seen fields that big. Um, I've seen fields even bigger now in Arras, like rolling hills and these endless, endless open fields, guys. Cannot imagine what it must have been to fight over that. Yes, there are depressions in the ground and there are little copses of woods and everything, but overall it's open, open ground. It's it's stunning. It's, it's amazing that, that guys threw themselves into that, okay? And it's worthy of our respect. Um, there's a lot to see in the Arras area as well. Um, Arras itself, okay? I'm going to say Arras itself, guys. It's a nice, it's a, it's a fun, bustling town, and that's what it seemed like to me. Um, the Grand Place, I was there right around lunchtime, so People were out in restaurants enjoying the summer day. Um, it's just nice, especially in these post-COVID times. To, I, I'm still awed by seeing people out and about and enjoying the sunshine and being together and being in each other's company. Um, again, a fun, bustling town. People out there having lunch, 
just shopping, going around doing things, seeing things, okay? Just a fantastic place. Definitely stop in at, at Arras um, and, and check it out. There's so much more to see in that city. I, I, I saw almost nothing of it. I was just kind of on a mission to, to get in there and check out a few things and, and, and move on. So I definitely have to go back and, and give Arras its, its full due. Um, but I will say one thing bit of a guilty pleasure here, and, and I hope you know that I, I, I'm not a big fan of fast food, but, uh, but there, is a, there is a chain, I think it's a chain in France, and it's called O-Tacos, and if I can insert a dad joke here, um, uh, oh damn, man. So, they'll like, you have to like order a burrito, but like, y- you have to like throw like three meats into it. And then like a sauce, and then a cheese, and what you get is is a is about a brick of like meat and cheese that that's like a heart attack. But uh, again, it's it's also delicious, um, and it it was a lot of food, man. <laughs> you might want to get one and just split it with a friend, because because damn, I, I had to you know I was very happy that I was taking a walk around the town after I ate. So to kind of walk some of that off. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot. Definitely give it a shot. Why not? I mean, you know, when in France, why not try uh, O-Tacos, okay? Um, so that was, that was the, you know, those are my four weeks, guys. Um, just a fantastic experience. Um, just immersing myself in the French culture. Um I believe I can understand what most people are saying to me, and I know how to say, you know, how, how did you say that, so that I can try and pick up what they said. Most French people are, are you know, it's just like anywhere. They, they want to help you. They want to see you succeed, um, and they want to see you, like, learn the language, so nothing wrong with that. So I believe I can comprehend a lot. Responding is still a problem. It's, it's a lot. I, I think I need a T-shirt that says, like, speak to me like I'm... A small child, you know, like, and, and I'll just point, and maybe they can be like, "Oh, yeah, let me slow it down for this dude," okay? Because when people speak slowly, I can kind of, get, I can, I can understand way better, and then I might even be able to to reply. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a fantastic culture, guys, and it's it's awesome. It's slower living down there, um, or over there rather. So um, there's some things you need to be aware of. In some areas, there are, you know, restaurants will close. They, they will be open from like lunch until about 2.30 or so. And then they close for several hours until the earliest is around 6.30. Okay, so you have to keep an eye on the time and when you're going to have lunch and everything, especially if you're out in the field and you haven't planned on, um, haven't brought any food with you or anything like that. Um, grocery stores, shops, they will also close up. So if you need water and stuff, you, you better think about, you know, we better pick up water on our way out. Because if we're going to be out, you know, during lunchtime, these places will close down and we will not be able to just, you can't just hop over at like 4.30 and expect the store to be open. They will be closed. So there, there are issues like that. Just take some adjustment. That's all. Okay. Just, but that's it. No big deal. Um, yeah, but excellent food, excellent wine. Um, I believe it is a listener, Shane from Twitter. Uh, he gets credit for this. Um, definitely. This, this tour could have been called uh, Bottles of the First World War Podcast. Uh-huh. I, I have to give Shane credit for that. I, I didn't think of it. I didn't uh, 
think that up. Um, but yeah, guys, I mean, it's good wine. It's good food, good company. It was just a fantastic trip. I, I can't wait to do it again. Um, and I also can't wait to, uh, to get back to cranking uh, on these narrative episodes so that we can, so that we can finish the Merzargon and finish telling the stories that we still have to tell there and then that we can, we can move on to another front because we are going to move on to another front, not the Western front. So, um, all right, guys. So I'm going to sign off. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this impromptu episode and just my rambling here. Um, and I will see you in the next narrative episode. Thank you guys for listening. Talk to you soon. Take care. <laughs>